welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today I want to talk about this concept of not all in the church are actually saved. This actually ties into the discussion we had on the last Thursday live show where we were talking about church governments. And one of the forms of government that I did not talk about in that program that I probably should have is I did not actually talk about the, um, uh, I didn't talk about the churches that are congregational led. And the congregational-led churches, there is actually a little bit of an issue with these. And that being is that many people who are in the church are not actually saved. And that's kind of fun because um, what we see there is um, I was having a discussion with somebody the other day who was relating to me a discussion with somebody else he knows. And uh, he says, uh, you know, I see, I see a lot of Christians in the church doing things that I just... I don't know. I'm just not sure I understand. And the guy says, well, not everyone who goes to church are actually saved. The guy's like, whoa, what do you mean? Like, yeah, it's very true. This is nothing new. In fact, we are told this is exactly what's going to happen. First spot, of course, reading the entirety of Matthew 7 would be good here, but I'm going to focus just on two verses from Matthew 7. And um, those are going to be verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, obviously, this has broader implications than just the church. There's a whole lot of people who follow the path of unrighteousness. This is why if you look at the entirety of all people over all human history, many more people will be uh, many more people will be bound to hell than will find heaven in the afterlife that is basically what the scripture gets to us of course um one of my favorite sections down here in um down here in Matthew 7:21 this one does tie directly into the churches not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Well, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will declare for them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These are actually people in the church. Many will come to me in that day. Oh, Lord, you didn't bring us with me. Yeah, I don't know you. That's really the, the point in the principle. And this is the problem with the congregational-led churches, is many people sitting there in the church, even many who are actually members of the church, may not actually be saved. And so asking the congregation to vote on every manner of principle and matter in the church is a dangerous prospect. And this is really what causes a lot of the independent churches to go bust when the entire culture, take, for example, state college culture where I'm at right now, which is extraordinarily liberal and in many ways extraordinarily anti-Christ. Well, when you get a society where anti-Christ views have pervaded and then you're asking these people in this society to vote on matters of the church, ungodly and unbiblical things are going to be inserted into the church on the basis of this. This is why on the one hand, as I talked about in that other message, I'll link here in the video, why on the one hand, many people who go over there and look at the, um, look at the, the church model where 
it's this top-down structure. And I listed three reasons why the top-down church structure is bad and said the independent model is better. Well, when I was talking about independent model, we're talking about independent elder-led model because hopefully, not every case, but hopefully the elders will have actually been through enough trials to determine if they're actually saved. Unlike you get into many of the congregational-led churches, and this is where the people from the hierarchical structures don't like the independent churches because they falsely believe that they are all congregation-led. Well, the congregational people, they will vote in matters that are not necessarily biblical because they don't have the soundness and the maturity that the elders and the pastors should in order to truly understand the matters of Christ and to guide the church in the appropriate manner. Because many people in the church are going to not be saved. And we actually find, um, we actually find another example of this. And um, this one is found in Matthew 13. We're going to look at um, verses 24 to 30. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted, it bore grain, then tares also became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed into your field? How then does it have tares in it? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. So here we have another parable, which again, this is more applicable to the world, but the church is in the world. And so what happens, particularly with the church growth movements and these seeker sensitive models, they attract unbelievers into the churches. And so you have these large churches, which are mostly filled with unbelievers. Now, how, why do I say that that is specifically dealing with the world and not specifically dealing with the churches. Well, because this is one of the parables that Jesus explained. The disciples ask in verse 36, explain to us the tares of the field. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. This, by the way, is why we have the idea of the elect versus the reprobate. And the seed, uh, excuse me, the, the field is the world. So we see that the field is the world, not explicitly the church, but there's certainly a lot of crossover. And as for the good seed, there are sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. That would be your reprobate. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned in fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels that will gather out of the kingdom of his kingdom all the stumbling blocks and all those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what we see here is that in this parable, there are going to be a lot of tares among the wheat, the wheat being the true saved believers. And this is the extension and the application in the church, particularly if you're going to a church that is very seeker sensitive and very 
hip with the world, these are churches that attract unbelievers. And they come in like, wow. And then the whole idea is, wow, look at how big our church is. And then people make this tacit assumption that you go to church so you're saved. Well, the reality is most of these types of churches have never even present the gospel. People have not even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ inside of many of these mainline Protestant churches these days. And it's not uncommon to, to see people who were raised in the Catholic tradition who leave and go, wow, I never heard the gospel till I went to some Protestant view. Well, the fact of the matter is not even the Protestant church is preaching the gospel far and wide. And so this is the biggest problem with congregational-led churches and also why churches are mostly full of unbelievers. They're buying into a system. They the pastors do something to grow the church because it's very seeker sensitive. It's very hip and friendly with the world. They never confront the world. This is why in our town now in State College, there's a bunch of churches signing on to this critical race theory statement called the Racial Unity Network. And several big churches are signing off and signing their names to the stuff going, wow, we completely condemn all this stuff going on. And then you read the individual bullet points. It's all critical race theory. And then you start to see this type of stuff going on. The churches are, they're not presenting the gospel. They're not challenging and confronting the world. They're not opening their word of God and actually preaching from the word of God, except to isogeet a few verses into the, the current thing, things that they want to say. And so you raise up with this church that is full of ungodly people who have no earthly idea what the scripture even says. They've never heard the gospel. And frankly, they're condemned to hell, even though many of them are under the damnable sin that they go to church, they're even a member of the church, and so they're going to make it into heaven, and they're going to be among those people. Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, and he says, I never knew you. So be careful about that. Make sure that you are really looking at the gospel. Make sure that you are recognizing the depth of the sin in your life and that you are incapable of it and that our whole world has our minds polluted. The only thing that we can do, as Romans 12 says, transform yourself by the renewing of your mind. Only then can you know what the word of God is. How, what is the renewing your mind? It is reading the word of God. Understanding that we are a sinner, incapable of doing anything about our life, we give ourselves entirely to Christ and submit ourselves to the Word of God. That, in a nutshell, is the gospel. So with that, we're going to leave it here. Have a look over the website at rwalkinchrist.com. You can also find my new book over there, which is called Half My Life. You can find that book over there. Um, and uh, with that, thanks for watching. I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.